welcome to the Global Recon Podcast. I'm your host, John Hendricks. We have an interesting episode for you guys today. I get a lot of emails and messages on social media uh, from, from two different kinds of people. One from younger guys who are looking to get into a special operations unit, and, and they would like to know what they can do to prepare or uh, you know what should they aim for, and then also from guys who are already in the military or law enforcement, and they would like to know what they could do to maintain a certain level of fitness that's required for their jobs and you know how can they work around you know let's say a shoulder injury or a knee injury and things like that so for this episode i have two of the uh, owners from atomic athlete uh located down in texas austin texas and they have a very unique approach to fitness and both of these guys are former military um and coming on with them is longtime Special Forces Sergeant Chuck Ritter, who I had on a few episodes ago, and Chuck was kind of discussing his his story and a little bit of his background. And Chuck is very big into fitness, so I think it's an episode. I think you guys are going to like it. Um, it'll answer a lot of questions, and, you know, it, it, it may be able to guide you in a direction that would be positive. So before we get into that, um, I'm pleased to announce that Tulam from Ronin Tactics will be coming to New York City uh, to teach a ring blade seminar. Now, this will take place August 6th and August 7th. Um, on August 6th, it'll be held in CrossFit Giant in Edgewater, New Jersey. Um, what I'll do is I'll post the links where you can sign up for the classes in the podcast notes. So on my website, globalrecon.net slash podcast, you'll see the link for this episode. And there will be links that will take you to Two's website where you can purchase your slot for one of the courses. So quickly, um, the seminars are going to be uh, three hours per day. We're going to host two sessions each day, August 6th and August 7th. It'll be from 1 to 4 p.m. and then from 5 to 8 p.m. Now, uh, Tu has a lot of experience in hand-to-hand and knife fighting. Uh, he spent uh, over two decades in the U.S. military. The majority of that time was spent in special forces. And a lot of that time was spent overseas, uh, deployed in combat. So, briefly... Uh, the first session is going to teach body movement, uh, empty hands, center line and off center line blade and saber blade attacks. Uh, the second session will be trapping foot movement, control of your opponent, pick and reinforce pick attacks. And and to get the full uh, spectrum of knowledge, I would recommend taking both classes. I know it's you know that's a long time, but uh, it, it's a great opportunity, and two is a very good teacher. So once again, uh, if you're interested in taking these classes, just uh, go to the podcast notes on my website, globalrecon.net slash podcast, and you can sign up. The links will be there. The second location is going to be at Brooklyn Athletic Club in Brooklyn. Um, so, you know, if, if, you're, if you're interested, if you think you, you, you would like to learn some more about knife fighting, 
uh, then come out. Uh, these classes are very informal. You're going to get a lot of good information. Um, and I, I guarantee it's going to be worth it. So if you do come out, uh, we'll see you guys there. And now I will get into the interview with Chuck Ritter and the guys from Atomic Athlete. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, we have some special guests for today's episode. Back on with us is Chuck Ritter. Uh, Chuck was on a previous episode. Uh, very interesting uh, I'll post a link to that in the podcast notes if you want to hear the first episode with Chuck, which is more about him. Uh, but a quick bio, Chuck is the current Special Forces First Sergeant, Special Forces Team Sergeant. He's been on Special Forces A-Teams for 13 years with a prior infantry background, and he has nine combat deployments. Uh, Chuck, welcome back. How's it going? It's good. How you doing, John? I'm good. I'm good. I'm pretty tired. I just went on a run. Um... It's a route that I've run before, but it includes a lot of hills, and it really killed me because it's the first time I've ran in a long time. So Nice. Well, you know, that stuff's a lot easier if you just don't do it. Yeah. And, and our other guests are two of the owners of Atomic Athlete. Uh, one is Jake Sines, a former Ranger Regiment team leader, founder of Atomic Athlete, CSCS uh, certification, been professionally coaching since 2009, a big mountain bow hunter and a grappler. Uh, Jordan Smotherman is a former naval nuclear operator, CAT 2 cyclist, CSCS cert. He's been professionally coaching for four years. He started at Military and Mountain Athlete in Jackson, Wyoming. So guys, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. How's it going? Good, John. How you doing, man? Going well, John. I'm good. I'm good. Just tired. Um, all right, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Atomic Athlete. So, where are you guys located? Uh, so we got a brick and mortar, actual physical facility located down in Austin, Texas. Um, and then we also basically have a big online training platform where all the programming and the methodologies that we use and test on our athletes here is available to a bigger audience. Okay, and you guys kind of do a bit of an interesting approach to fitness because it's not like a general program, you know, do 10 of these, 10 of these, 10 of these. It's it's, it's very specific for each individual, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, a really atomic athlete is much more of a, a methodology, much more of a paradigm about training um, and about approaching, accomplishing a mission than it is about some sort of rote routine that you go through, um, something like a P90X or, or some kind of prepackaged training system like that. It, it, it's, it's nothing like that. Uh, instead, what we do is uh, we look at uh, mission or fitness objectives, attributes that we want to build into the athlete, um, and we program uh, to that purpose, and we progress and periodize to build an athlete from the ground up in a really comprehensive way um, with different uh, with whatever sort of training attributes that, that they may need um, that are critical to their mission. Okay, and so it, it's a very interesting concept. It's not something that you just walk into and, you know, 
it's not traditional. And I think it's interesting, me and Chuck were talking offline about the Army is trying to reinvent their approach to working out. Um, Chuck, can you explain some of that? Yeah, traditionally, I know when I first joined the Army in the infantry, you pretty much ran every day, Monday through Thursday, and then Friday was a ruck pretty much every week. And then within that, you'd do... You'd stop and you'd do push-ups and sit-ups, and then it was on you to do any kind of physical fitness after that, going to the gym or running uh, every day. So there was no rest days. Uh, there was no periodization. It was, all, it was always pretty much the same thing. And I know at least in the unit I was in when I started in Hawaii, if, if you went on sick call or you were injured, I remember I, I ran a, a half marathon on a Monday and then thought it was a good idea to run an eight-miler, another race on a Wednesday, and actually tore one of my calves I went to sick call and actually got in trouble for that. I got a negative counseling statement because it was frowned upon to to take care of yourself and be intelligent. And then coming into coming to special forces, same thing. Uh, we still would run every day. And just recently, within the past four or five years, we've actually, we've actually started to become more intelligent in the way we train. Uh, there's scientific methodologies to support that you can train much better. And you're only really getting stronger when you rest. So that's one of the things I saw in Atomic Athlete when I really started looking at their programs and their systems is, is mainly their mindset and their methodology and about how – it was it was very intelligently driven. It wasn't just you're going to train hard all the time. Yeah, it's really what it really comes down to, John. I mean, I think in my experience, the same thing. In my experience in the military, is it's training smart, and not only training smart, but training with a purpose and understanding why you're doing something specifically. I mean, I remember being you know a young private in the Ranger Regiment. You know, and our team leaders would go out and just they would just try to break us every single day. You know, and their their mindset was like, this is how I was trained, and this is how I was coached, and this is how I'm going to train my guys. But even as like a really junior guy in a special operations unit, you know, I was asking like asking myself like, wait, why, why are we doing this? You know, and even being a fairly fit guy, um, I would see you know other guys on the team just getting totally destroyed, and I would I would look over at the team leader and be like, man, like you're you're hurting your guys. You're, you're not making them better. I mean, there is a little bit of a mental fitness component in there as far as doing grueling sessions. But the bottom line is, you know, if you're out there just hammering the shit out of your guys with no end state or, you know, purpose behind it, I mean, you're actually doing something detrimental to your team as opposed to making it a more powerful team. Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, that is kind of – and even, you know, in the last 25 years, the information and science behind fitness has really expanded and workouts have become more effective – and, you know, and then also one thing you see in fitness is there's kind of like different trends, like one, you know, P90X was really hot for a while and then uh, CrossFit kind of arrived on the scene and people kind of incorporate a lot of CrossFit workouts. So, but the thing I find interesting about the atomic method is it's not really, it has nothing to do with these kind of trends. Like you said, it's purpose driven. So... You know, one thing that I get a lot of questions through email and uh, social media is from younger guys or guys who are currently in the military who are looking to get into a special operations unit, whether it's in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, or the Marines. Um, and you guys have specific programs where you put guys through them and then they go on and, and join some of these units, right? Yeah, um, we absolutely have... Uh quite a bit right now we have six guys um 
going through uh, Q course. They've been through uh, Special Forces Assessment and Selection. They've all been selected, and they're continuing through uh, that pipeline. Uh, I, I think a big part of their success in making it through selection is the mental resilience that we um, train and teach daily uh, in our programming. And that really gets, I think, to the, uh, the paradigm shift that we're looking to have in the fitness industry as a whole. And I kind of want to go back real quick and um, speak real quick about the idea that that like in the last, like you said, um, John, in the last 25 years that, you know, like the research and everything has um, really come a long way and it's been made a lot more public and improved training. That's true. And in fact, it's been around for a lot longer than that. But the application of these tried and true methods has been wanting in both the strength and conditioning world um, and in, in some other worlds like Chuck and like Jake have mentioned in the military, honestly. And what we're trying to do um, is, is em- embrace a lot of those ideas and package them in ways that are palatable for athletes of all different stripes. Because you cannot tell a guy that, hey, the number one thing that you need to do right now for yourself is to run for a really long time at a really slow speed if that guy is a big gym meathead, right? I mean, he's just not going to do it. So how do you get – how do you change his his approach to training to get him to do the best thing for him? Well, some of it is just meeting them where they're at. And then the other part of it is uh, being really smart about the way that you – program it so that you're forcing the right type of adaptations for the right type of athlete in the right timing to accomplish whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. So if you just look at that simple example, you're balancing three really delicate systems um, all, all at the same time. And that is, that is a, a really important idea. And it's one, I think, that uh, sets apart the idea of training from the idea of working out. A guy who just goes to the gym to burn some calories to get his swole on for that day, uh, he's working out. But the guy who goes in there and is training for three months down the road, training to build, uh, fill in a a gap of his fitness or to build something uh, in the long term, that guy is training because he's not worried about what he's going to get this week or today. Instead, he's worried about something he's going to gain farther down the road. And having that long view is a big part of, again, the the paradigm shift that we're uh, looking to achieve. And then also, I think that that makes uh, uh, training, that allows anybody to train. So if uh, you go back to to one of the statements that you said earlier, uh, you know, you said like, yeah, you might not just hop into this out of nowhere, but honestly, our training really is for everyone. Um, But the training is unlike anything else. And part of the intimidation, part of the barrier to entry that people have at the Atomic Athlete is, is understanding that no matter what their skill level is, no matter what their fitness level is, our training is going to meet them where they're at and it's going to push them as hard as they can be pushed for that training session or uh, more appropriately, I guess I should say, it's going to it's going to push them to the exact level that we want them to be for that day because we're going to prescribe different intensities and all that sort of stuff. But it's always going to be based on the ability of the athlete. Yeah, that's an interesting point you made about the, having that the right mindset. You know, versus training versus working out. A lot of people that you know I've worked out with in the past or. 
people who have contacted me about what you know what kind of routine should they do that kind of thing a lot of people are turned off by you know kind of the like the like instead of you know if you're climbing right instead of taking it one step at a time you kind of look at just look up and you're like pushed away by you know the challenge itself versus if you're thinking about you know it'll take me 3 months to get to the top you know i think that makes a huge difference and i think it's important to understand that because you'll you'll have people in the fitness industry or or in you know in whatever um avenue that they're involved their fitness with and they'll know they'll know about the exercises uh but i think what will set trainers apart or companies apart or gyms apart is the having is are you able to teach that mindset on top of the workout itself yeah you know i mean uh i heard a great quote by you know former special operations guy and he's like selections a, a never-ending process and the bottom line is so is so is fitness you know like you know look at someone like chuck who's 18 years in okay it's not like it's not about what's going to happen today and what's going to happen the next seven or eight days or maybe even that month but like when you're training for a career and you know special forces special operations whatever it may be it's like you have to have a long-term like vision and a long-term purpose behind your training you know it's it's one of those things where you know someone like chuck you know he has to be capable for upwards of 20 years, maybe even longer, depending on how long he chooses to stay in. So having that long-term perspective and, you know, thinking about that, like, hey, it's not just about today. It's about a year from now, three years from now, five years from now. And accepting the fact that it's going to be a slow, steady climb uphill, but long as you continue to train. And when I say train, like, like Jordan mentioned, not working out, but training, following a program, you know, based on your abilities and your goals, and long as you train, you'll continually see improvement. So you guys are based out of Texas. And um, it's interesting, uh, aside from your approach, you guys have a interesting setup physically, a physical location. Can you, uh, Chuck was talking about that earlier. Can you guys describe a little bit of that? You know, it's uh, that's what we initially started with. You know, I, I found an atomic athlete. You know, the idea was I didn't want to be a power lifter. I didn't want to be an endurance athlete. Um, I kind of wanted to be able to go hang with everybody. Like I wanted to be able to run fast, lift heavy. I wanted to be able to go work out with the CrossFit guys and still be able to hang with them. And so uh, the idea of the facility kind of came about is, you know, I was post-college. You know, I had a good knowledge, base knowledge about, you know, physical training. And I, I kind of wanted to create an environment and a program that built a really good all-around athlete. And that's that concept of an, a good all-around athlete we kind of now refer to as RFL, readiness fitness level. So the idea of having a good all-around athlete is that they can step into more sports-specific programming at any time and be ready for it. Someone like Chuck, who may have a mission come down the line that's up in the mountains and it's very vigorous under heavy loads and long durations. Like For someone like him, he's going to want to have that high RFL so he can step right into a mission-specific program. So as we kind of created that local gym, um, over time it really developed a, a pretty amazing culture of, of athletes that train there with a mindset of like, hey, you know, we're training here. We're, our main goal is performance outside the gym and it's, it's no bullshit. It's one of those kind of places where you go in and everyone in there is not judging you on your ability but they're kind of judging you on your desire and your drive and – 
in the fact that whether or not you're just working hard, you know, like there's no kind of set expectation of performance from our gym. Anyone can train there. The only thing they have to do is put in the work and everyone around them is putting in the work. So it's not a facility where we're holding your hand or we're coddling you like, hey, good job. You know, I mean, it's it's a very intense environment and the programming requires hard work. Regardless of the environmental conditions, it doesn't matter if it's ice outside, if it's 101 degrees. I mean, we have really, really high expectations of our athletes. And what happened was we created a really, really solid culture based around those principles, very similar to a military-type culture where everyone suffers together and really strong bonds are created through that suffering. So, Chuck, you, you've done some of the programs, um, and obviously you – support uh their approach and uh, are you guys in the process of trying to mix that into the army's approach to fitness uh yeah i actually haven't done any of their specific programs more along the lines of i agree strongly with their with their methodology and their mindset and their approach to to training to where it's a hybrid of pretty much everything and i'll tell you right up front uh one of the guys todd moore who's also a co-owner and he told me up front he's like i'm not going to tell you that that our ways the best way, but it's a way, and we can back up what we're saying with the 200 athletes we have in the gym, uh, and, and our assessments with them, and, and, and what comes out of those. And, and talking with one of their athletes in the gym, he told me he'd been training there for about four years, and he hadn't been he hadn't been injured while he's working out there. He's like, and I've injured myself doing stupid things by not listening to what these guys are telling me. But the, the durability as, aspect of of how they think was was really big for me. Um, so I contacted Jake. Uh, kind of play with the idea about sending guys down there so they can impart that knowledge on my guys and we can in turn make the force smarter so we don't have guys like me that are constantly injured because my ego gets in the way and I, and I want to do dumb shit all the time and just always drive hard uh, and then on the flip side you get the guys that don't know how to train properly at all so they're not, they're not making gains because they're going to go out and they're going to run at a 157 heart rate every single day of their life and go do a couple things in the gym and leave and they're going to stay in the same place so you got those two ends of the spectrum. Um, I think that the, the the mindset, the mentality they have, you know, it's it's. Could you find that other places? Sure, but I think they package it in a way that it at least got my attention. I was like, you know, that's 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 what I need right there. Uh, that's an interesting point to bring up. So I do get a lot of emails and stuff about, you know, from younger guys who are interested in uh, joining into these. Uh, elite units but I've also been contacted by guys who are already in and are interested in learning about what they can do to uh, maintain their level of fitness without getting injured so I think you know that's a very important uh, aspect that uh, some of the listeners are interested in yeah because people people want to train hard all the time I mean I can take an eight-year-old kid and have him program a really hard workout and you go do it and is it really going to accomplish anything? I mean, I can go on, you know, I can go on the CrossFit, the main website every day, and do that, do that workout. But is it meeting my goals? And is it is that factoring in durability? Is it factoring my injuries and what my limitations are too? Um, yeah. so anybody, anybody can work out hard. Yeah, you know, and, and the idea, the idea also here is that you know, you you have guys. Uh, we get emails daily about guys who you know they want to uh, do this with their fitness or do that with their fitness. 
Um, and, you know, to, to kind of piggyback on what Jake brought up with the idea of a RFL or readiness fitness level, like it's, it's really hard. If a, guy, if a guy wants to be a Green Beret like Chuck, it's going to be hard for him to go from playing Call of Duty to doing one of our uh, programs designed specifically for a Green Beret. What does he have to do before that? Well, he's got to prep. He needs to build up his readiness fitness level to a high enough level where now he can transfer into a sport-specific uh, or an event-specific or selection-specific event or training program like that. Um, and yeah, you know, you can't be, uh, you can't just go into these high high-intensity uh, training programs or these high-demand training programs. Out of nothing, you have to build up to something, and uh, th- I think that's an important first step to, for you know your listeners out there, people preparing for this sort of thing. Is uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna go from you know doing your meathead session to rucking with uh, eighty to hundred pounds on your back over the course of you know six, ten, twelve miles uh, like it's nothing. You know you cannot back squat or front squat your way to a good ruck time. You got to get under the ruck. You got to move over ground to get better at that sort of stuff, and that takes a certain level of building up your connective tissues, making sure that your joints are durable enough, making sure that you have the base strength in your low back, uh, in your legs, in your traps to be able to handle that sort of load day in and day out. Whatever's thrown at you, whatever amount of volume, whatever intensity um, is is put upon you as an athlete, but that all has to be built up from somewhere. So imagine if your fitness were a tank, like a water tank. Well, if, if the higher that the water level is in that tank, if you, if you back a, a truck up that's taller than your tank and you try to pump water from the tank into that truck, it's not going to go because the, the truck is just too high, right? You have to build your fitness level up so that the water is above the level of that truck so gravity will feed it into that truck. Well, if that truck is something like uh, SFAS – then you're not going to be ready for it if your fitness level is too low. So you have to build it up and then you have to flow seamlessly from that RFL into something more specific like a, a training program specifically to build a guy up for, um, for an event like a, like a special forces assessment and selection. Hey, so that's a good point to bring up, you know, like to have a, a fitness level where you can jump into these programs what like is there something that you can give the audience for anyone who's interested like a general outline of how they can build up their fitness level before they get to that point i you know if if i was to say two things john two things this kind of our underlying i guess foundation we think for fitness is going to be two prong it's going to be um aerobic capacity and strength okay everything else will kind of build off those two like those those two components are going to be trained year round in our facility. They're always going to be included pretty much in any online programming. Um, but the ability to basically create force, all right, being strong, and the ability to move your body over terrain, you know, is is imperative in any military type environment. Okay. Everything else, the high intensity stuff, the run specific um, training, whether it's tempos, intervals, whatever it may be, all those things are built upon the foundation of strength and aerobic capacity. So if I was to say one thing, you know, if there's one takeaway from this conversation to you, the guys who are out here listening and thinking about going to the military, is they need to develop their aerobic capacity by training at low intensities for long durations, and they need to build up their strength 
by following a progressed and periodized strength program. Those two things right there, if you have a good base level of strength and you have a good aerobic capacity, are going to be excellent foundations for any type of endeavor you move forward. So for the aerobic capacity, we're talking things like going on a a seven-mile hike. Well, without getting too geeky about aerobic capacity and energy systems and all that, the, the main idea is that you know low intensity aerobic work, and that's usually going to be for most male athletes, you know, anywhere from twenty to forty years old, is basically going to be like one hundred and twenty to one hundred and forty-five beats per minute. All right, so just as much time as you can get in that very what most consider a very easy zone, or what endurance athletes call a zone one. The more time you can get there, the better equipped the body is. Is to use aerobic energy. And that's, that's just one of those things. We explain it kind of like an idea of tanks or you know um, fuel, but the, the ability to utilize the aerobic energy system is extremely important for any athlete, whether you're going to be a 800-meter sprinter or a marathon runner or a soldier. Okay? Like that energy system has to be developed, and it's one of those things where you could do anything for it. I mean, as long as your heart rate is in that zone – from you know, shadow boxing to light rolling into jujitsu uh, to cycling, swimming, dragging a tire, doing step ups, rowing. I mean, hell, even sex if it's at the right heart rate, right? It doesn't really matter the activity, but long as you're at a certain heart rate, a low heart rate, and like I said, usually 55 to 75 percent of your maximum um, for an extended period of time. We usually train in at least 30 minute blocks, um, and then it goes upwards of two hours from there. But just being able to work at that long, easy pace, all right, is going to give you a great foundation for anything to come in the future. So, I mean, if you go into, if you're an endurance athlete and you step into a CrossFit gym, yeah, it might crush you the first day, but within four to eight weeks, you have that aerobic base to where you just got to put the polish on it. And then all of a sudden, you're performing extremely well, much better than an athlete who only does high intensity work. So, I think with the rise of CrossFit and as well as some other kind of methodologies, um, the aerobic capacity and aerobic energy system has kind of been ignored. And the bottom line is that most guys don't want to go out and train at these low intensities. They think the harder it is, the better it is for them. And in reality, that's just not the case. All right. I just want to cover real quick uh, the program that they're, they're running right now, the, the Soffit course, which, which I'll let them get into. But backside is – in special forces, every group we have what's called a Thor three facility, which is total human uh, optimization, performance, and recovery. Um, and within that, we've got professional trainers that are all CSCs qualified. They had to work with a professional sports team for two years. We've got physical therapists, we've got a sports psychologist, and we've got a dietitian um, for those programs. And we got for, for most of it, for most of the groups, they got really amazing gym facilities, but. Uh, the fact is only about a third of the, the special force teams actually utilize them and, and they're already overworked on top of that. And a lot of guys look at it as kind of like a car wash where the team drives up, hands the keys to these guys, and then they expect these, the, the teams to come out the other end in shape. But that's, that's, that's using them improperly because it's a, it's a leadership. It's, it's, a leader, it's on the leadership to make sure that that team's in shape. So I want to start teaching the force how to better utilize the Thor 3 systems that we have because it's an amazing tool, but a lot of guys just don't know how to program properly because a lot of guys like me, uh, we're used to the way things were, ruck and running, push-ups, pull-ups, and sit-ups. So some guys think they got it, um, but in reality, some guys just want 
door to put them to, to make sure they're in shape. But in reality, it should be up to the teams themselves to do some submission analysis and figure out where they need to be and, and probably go ahead and structure out those periodized blocks of time and then have an 80% solution when they show up to Thor and, and already know basically how to program at a very basic level. And that's kind of what we sent these guys down there to, to do for, for 10 to 14 days to try to try to get some knowledge. So I'll just hand it over to, to Jordan and Jake so they can kind of explain what these guys went through. Yeah, I mean, essentially we spent um, about 10 days um, with – couple guys that Chuck sent over to us, uh, some Green Berets. Um, and we were tasked with uh, training these guys um, to learn our curriculum, our methodology, our paradigm. Uh, and we really gave it all to them as much as we could in that amount of time. Programming, coaching, uh, training approach, mental resilience, physiology, everything. Um, that way they can take uh, that programming philosophy back to their – uh, back to uh, the senior leadership course, um, and then they can train other SF guys who are coming through SLC how to leverage the resources that they have, whether or not it be their own leadership, their facilities, their own ability, um, their own athletic ability, Thor 3, or whatever it may be. We want to be able to equip them, like Chuck said, to be able to come with an 80% solution whenever they go to whatever facility it is uh, and be as prepared as they can be with the most knowledge that they can uh, and bring that into a, a actionable training program to put their guys through. Now, they, they may bring it to you know their Thor 3, one of their Thor 3 trainers and they may say like, hey, make sure to throw in this or make this more efficient this way or that way. But the bigger idea is that they have a methodology um, – that is purposeful, programmed, and periodized behind what they're doing um, so that they can leverage those resources, so that those resources can help them. And it's super efficient for their guys so that their guys are always working through something that is going to increase their fitness level overall. And, you know, before we got into this conversation, we were talking about how we have kind of 10 different fitness attributes that we um, uh, train guys in. Well, if you understand how to balance all of that and you understand how to give certain priorities to certain things, whenever you take that to any sort of resource you have, uh, then they're going to see like, wow, these guys, these guys are, are uh, coming to us with a really smart package. Uh, and so now we can just help them optimize what they're doing. So uh, it's it, I, I, it's a really powerful thing I think that we're doing for those guys and um, and that they can then take back to their teams uh, and th- therefore they'll be able to train more intelligently at the end and just uh, leverage their their uh, units human resources in in whatever capacity uh, they may need. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. Um, what I was doing before I was doing this global recon thing with websites, social media, and podcast. Uh, I was training people, primarily uh, body weight training, and one of the takeaways that I always wanted people to have was to understand enough about what we were trying to do that they at some point they can develop their own uh, training programs and things like that. And I think as a trainer or as someone who's giving information to a client, a customer, or somebody you're working out with, I think that's a huge uh, point that people should try and em- put emphasis on. But then in the same the same vein, 
uh, some people are literally doing it and adding the and putting more emphasis on the business side. Where and, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, let's say you you have a trainer somewhere at a gym in Manhattan. Uh, he may he's obviously he's he wants to make money, so he might not give you all the tools you need to to do it on your own in an effort to have you come back. Um, so I just think it's it's an important thing to pass on all of the knowledge and have people understand it fully. And like you guys said, to, to give it to these guys so they can uh, train with the facilities and the resources they have. Yeah, and you know, one of the, John, one of the big things we push during, uh, we call it SOFIC for short, you know, Special Operations Forces Fitness Instructor Course. One of the big things we pushed with these guys was the idea of their purpose and that there's, there's two kinds of purpose out there. There's a, a purpose of necessity and then a purpose of preference, right? So what happens is a lot of these guys, they go through selection, they go through RASP, they go through BUDS, whatever it may be. They get assigned to a team and, and what they do is they shift their training over to what they wanted to versus what they need to do for their job. The bottom line is a soldier has a very high physical element that's required by them. Okay, like they have to maintain a certain, you know, branch specific uh, fitness attributes as well as unit specific attributes. And one of the key things we were kind of talking about was that you have to primarily, first off, satisfy the needs of your profession or sport. So for military guys, for example, they all have to, or army specific, I would say, they all have to be able to run five miles in under 40 minutes. That is part of their job. And until they can actually do that, until they can meet all the physical requirements of their profession, they don't only get the option to start doing like arm curls or power lifting or whatever it may be. They have to knock out all those prerequisites, all the training that is necessity-based before they move over to preference. And that's that's a pretty big deal is shifting the mindset of like, I'm going to go to the gym today and do A, B, and C because I want to, or I'm going to go to the gym and do D, E, and F because I have to, and it's a requirement of my profession. So that shift in mindset was a really big focal point for the guys that came down this previous time. Because the bottom line is most of us are going to train at what we're good at and what we like. Very few individuals are professional and mature enough to actually try to do an assessment of themselves, identify their weaknesses, and then spend the majority of their training time fixing those weaknesses. And that was something I saw when I was in the military. You'd have squad leaders who were really good runners, and guess what you did for PT every day? You ran, all right? Or if you had a squad leader who was a really big lifter, guess what you did every day? You went to the gym. So instead of doing, you know, preference-based training, getting the mindset and switching over to necessity-based training was a huge focus point behind Sophic and this course that we had in the, I guess it was about two weeks ago. Yeah, and you know, um, the, the thing is, like like Jake said, without a plan, you're gonna you're probably gonna fall back on what you like to do. If you go into the gym without a plan, you're probably gonna end up. If you're a guy, ages eighteen to thirty six, you're probably gonna end up doing bench press and bicep curls. Um, so, how do you get away from that? Um, you kind of have to be able to understand all the different things that you have to train, so that you can put them into some sort of balance. Um, so strength, for example, is something that a lot of young guys uh, like to train. A lot of military guys really like – they want to be strong and it's important for their job. Uh, strength is in a lot of ways the foundation of performance and durability or your resilience, your ability to, to take a, a hit um, and confidence as well. But if you are really, really strong 
but you can't run five miles in under 40 minutes like Jake is saying, then are you a good soldier? No, not according to your employer um, and, and probably according to your team as well. You're going to be a detriment. You're going to be a liability on your team. And so we try to frame a lot of our approach to training and teaching these guys as, as floors and ceilings. We have floors for performance um, requirements. And then we also have ceilings. And if you have an attribute like strength, for example, that is at the ceiling of what you need to excel at your job, and you have others that are below the floor, you need to stop training that, that thing that's hitting the ceiling or just train it enough to maintain it and allow the others to come up above that floor until they're somewhat in balance with the others. And then you can sort of start to cycle through all of them again. You know, it's an interesting point that you bring up. And I think what uh, one of the most important takeaways that I wanted people to understand when I was training them is it isn't just a physical workout. You're also learning about yourself and um, what your limitations are, what, where your ceiling's at, uh, and what you need to improve on. And I'm glad that you guys brought it up because I think that's something that transcends fitness and you can really apply it to your life in general. Um, you know, to be able to look at yourself rationally and see where your strengths are, see where your weaknesses are, and to look at what you need to improve on is something that you can learn that through fitness and then apply it, you know, elsewhere in your life, which will, you know, improve the quality of your life and uh, whatever you're uh, pursuing. Yeah. And on that real quick, in the military, what I've noticed in my time is that uh, it's a big aspect guys ever look because guys don't want to be, they don't want to be humble because they, they've got an ego and they don't, they don't like to do assessments because they don't want to see that they suck at something. Um, and I, th- I think that's a big, big part of our, our career. You have to be, you have to be completely honest with yourself of what your weaknesses are and you don't want to turn into a narcissist because that's just how you're going to stay where you are and you're going to suck. You, you can never get stronger in, in that mindset. And you, you see it a lot because guys want to protect uh, what they think of themselves, but just, Hey, go out and do it. Hey, I really sucked at running or I was in great cardio shape, but I can only get my, my ass over the pull-up bar once. And you got to assess where that's at and then and tailor that, that training to that, to that weakness. And if you don't, and a lot of guys don't do it because, again, like Jake was saying, a lot of guys go to their comfort zone like to train on what they're good at or, or what they like instead of going and training for what sucks. And if it sucks, it probably means you need to do it so you can get better at it. Yeah, an interesting exercise <laughs> we actually had the guys in Sophie do was we had them do a self-assessment. And, and the self-assessment was not so much – I mean, it had a physical component, but it also had a psychological component as well as a what we call a mechanical component. You know, and so what happens? We call it the performance pyramid, and you can read more about it on the site. But the main idea is that when it comes to performance, it's more than just physical. All right, you have to think about how well you move, not the ability of the cardiovascular system and the strength endurance of the lower body. Like, how efficient is your your running gait? How efficient is your bar path on Olympic weightlifting? How efficient are you with the kettlebell? And then also think about the idea of like the psychological ability. Like how well do you perform under stress? Um, how well do you understand your fitness and are you able to apply or recognize what the appropriate pace is for a specific duration? You know, so there's so many components that are involved in um, performance 
And not all of them are physical. Everyone just kind of focuses on the physical component in the gym. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to get faster. But we never think about like, hey, how do I properly fuel myself for optimal performance? Uh, What is the best pace for a five-minute effort versus a two-hour effort? Um, You know, what's the best way to hydrate? What about strategy? How can I perform under stress? So there's like so many components and the the self-assessment we gave these guys had about 10 different components of each of them and they went through and rated themselves on a one to five. And this is going to be specific to the sport they participate or their profession. And it was really interesting seeing everyone's, you know, results of the self-assessment where it was like, Hey, like I'm, I have a really high level of lower body strength. I have a really high level of like say running ability, but I'm not that mentally tough, you know, and that's, that's one of those things where like when you start recognizing you know, where you need to improve upon, then what happens is now that's going to assist you in your program design. And so what you can do is start to use those weakest components that you have um, as an athlete and you need to spend more time working on those attributes. So if you're already like cock strong, you know, say you already got, you know, a 400 pound back squat, a 450 deadlift, a 300 pound bench press, you don't have to work on getting stronger. All right. The idea is if you are able to meet all those standards, and you have a mediocre aerobic ability, and you're really, really mentally weak when it comes to high-intensity efforts, then you need to shift over to maintenance mode on your strength, and you need to hammer aerobic ability and mental fitness. And so it's a really interesting exercise to actually have an objective perspective on who you are as an athlete or as a professional and really try to identify what's going to make you better at your job, not what's going to make you cooler, what's going to make you better at your job. And that mindset, that shift, that's what's going to separate a professional from someone who's just has a job and is hanging out in a group. And John, I just want to kind of end because I got to go here in a second with methodologies like like atomic athletes, where they're kind of a hybrid of everything, and they have a very smart philosophy on on how to train, but not just how to train hard, but how to train for durability. Uh, how to recover and how to train a complete athlete, complete athlete, which you ask him about, hey, what's your coach's certification there? What's the guy, the test my guys had to go through? You should, you should ask him about that in a minute because it does fall under those five big domains. You got mental fitness, lower body, upper body, your anaerobic and your aerobic, um, basically your domains that, that every, that's, every soldier needs that. And, and a lot of times guys will just go to the gym and jack weights and then they lose that, not just aerobic, but the, the, those anaerobic components. So, yeah, they can lift a ton of weight, but when you get on the battlefield, you're going to get fatigued and and you're and you're going to go down. One of the things I actually told Jordan was, I've never been in combat at an combat deployment. I've never been in combat where I was at a point where like, man, I wish I would have done more muscle ups or I wish I could military press more. But I've always been <laughs> to where I wish I had more explosive leg endurance and overall aerobic ability because you know hours and hours going through fields and going over walls and being in firefights and going through days and days. That's what gets smoked in your body. Um, and a lot of that falls into the mental domain too. So you got to be mentally, mentally fit, mentally tough, but you need that, that long-term endurance, um, as well as some very sport specific lower body explosive strengths. So you can, you can actually step up on things with weight, um, over and over again. Um, so yeah, ask them about that. The, their certification is pretty legit, but I wish if I could go back in time, I would have had the knowledge, uh, that I do now. And, you know, I haven't even been through the course yet. Uh, I plan on going through it here soon, but just, you know, in the past five years, trying to make myself smart on, on working out. I wish I would have had 18 years ago, so I'd be more more durable. I wouldn't have half the injuries I have now, uh, and I probably wouldn't be doing, you know, two to four hours of physical therapy every week. 
Yeah, you and me both, Chuck, man. I mean, I hurt myself initially way back in the day and just doing stupid stuff, you know, just yeah. trying to, you know, like the amount of weight I was moving had nothing to do with my performance in my job. I just wanted to be big and jacked, you know, and I yeah. jacked up both my shoulders and I'm still paying the price, you know, 15 years later. So yep. it's one of those things where I think when we're, you know, younger athletes and younger soldiers, we don't think about the long term. It's not until you get into your 30s where you're like, man, I wish I would have known this or done this differently because I'm paying the price now for my foolishness. Yeah, because for some reason when you're in that mindset, you're trying to impress yourself and your buddies and maybe some of the ladies when you're younger. And mm-hmm. it just, yeah, that ego catches up with you real quick. Yeah, and, you know, just to touch on it quickly, um, you know, I had similar issues. And the problem with injuring yourself early on in your, you know, your fitness career or whatever is these same injuries will reoccur over time. And eventually you're going to be forced to figure out a way to work around it uh, to where you can still exercise. Like me, I have shoulder issues. So when I'm at the gym, I avoid doing anything that's pressing upwards, like a, a shoulder, like something basic, like a shoulder press or something like that. Um, and it's it's unfortunate, but like Chuck said, you know, had I known about training the smart way years ago, it would have been a different story. So just for the younger guys, that's something to think about. Yeah, and then when you younger guys out there, I want you to think about too, you know, when you're in 2021, testosterone's ramped up and you're kind of invincible and you think you're like, you know, like, oh, no, you know, fuck that. I want to go hard. Going hard builds mental toughness and, you know, training is going to build mental toughness. Fitness is going to build confidence. But what you have to keep in mind is that if you pursue a career in special operations or whatever it may be, and I have a lot of buddies now who are kind of at that retirement point. Um, they've been in about 20 years now. And is that, you know, you think you're old when you're mid thirties and 38, but I mean, you're far from it. You know, I have a buddy who just went through selection and he was 37, right? So when you think like, oh, I'm going to be beat up anyways at that point, it's going to happen sooner than you think. You're going to get to that point in your life where you're going to really think back and be like, wow, that happened a lot faster than I thought it would. And I wish I would have had a little more, um, a little more common sense and a little more strategy with the big picture than just worrying about what it was like when I was 22 or 23. And I mean, it's happened to all of us, all the coaches at our gym, you know, we're all in our mid thirties. And honestly, most of us are, you know, better athletes than we were when we were in our twenties, even though at that point our recovery time was lower, we had more testosterone in our body, our motivation was higher, but because we're training smarter and more intelligently, then what happens is we can get a higher return on our investment when it comes to our training time. So instead of doing stupid shit for six hours a week, we're doing really, really smart training three hours a week. We have more time to spend with our families or hobbies, and we're just as fit, if not more fit. So something to kind of think about. I know most young guys out there would be like, oh, the hell with that. I'm just going to go hard six days a week. You know, that's that's a very short-term perspective, and before you know it, you're going to be regretting it because the long-term happens a lot sooner than you think. Yeah. Short-term perspective on a long, long-term game, you know. Right. And, you know, it's even now, like I'm, the way I'm working out now, because I'm, I'm coming off of a, a knee injury and a shoulder injury. I'm just I'm doing what I can to build my level up to a point where I can do some intensive type of programming. Um, so I, I'm just doing what what I can in the gym. Before I was doing uh, mainly bodyweight exercising, like high high numbers in push-ups pull-ups uh that kind of thing and then some gymnastic work 
Um, but, you know, with the injuries, you when you're doing bodyweight training, it's very hard to isolate. So if you have a shoulder injury, you really can't do push-ups, you can't do pull-ups, you know what I mean? So now I'm just doing what I can to get back into shape, to prepare myself to get to that point where I can do some really intense kind of uh, programming. Yeah, injuries injuries can be a little bit of a they can be very frustrating, and that's another thing that some of those younger guys need to think about is that you know if you go so hard where you run yourself into an injury, it's going to put a pretty big setback on your overall performance. I mean, you can still maintain a fairly high level of fitness when you have an injury. You have to just know how to program around it or follow an injury protocol like the ones we have. But it's one of those things where it's going to be really hard to you know build up. Um, a high level of running ability if you have a knee injury, you know? So if you squat too heavy or you do too high of a volume in that one session when all your bros are in there kind of cheering you on you're getting all jacked up and pumped and you go and hurt yourself in that session, you know, that might put a pause on your, um, your progress for anywhere from two to four months, you know? Yeah. So you gotta be smart about stuff like that. Like, is it worth getting hurt to hit this new one rep max to possibly not reach my four, six or 12 month goal? Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's think about let's think back to what Chuck was saying, and let's also kind of kind of think about these guys that we're speaking to right now, like young, younger guys, John. Like for example, let's say that you got a guy, he's like, "Fuck, man, Chuck, he's a badass. I'm gonna be a Green Beret. I'm gonna start training for a Green Beret. What do I need to do?" Um, and so he listens to the podcast, and Chuck says, "You know what? I wish I had, man. I wish I had more." Uh, aerobic endurance and strength endurance with my legs because that's what really matters and uh, you got a guy who he, he listens to that and he's like okay cool I don't need to do bench press anymore which is probably a good decision if he can't if he can't run a ruck very fast so he starts hammering his legs and his lungs that's the right decision at the same time you don't go from no rucking or no running to 30 miles in a week you kind of have to build up to it because you have two types of injuries. You have acute injuries and you have chronic or overuse injuries. Guys like us, a lot of times, well, in, in Jake's case, it, it really was an acute injury, but my injuries are really, oh, oh, they're overuse injuries. It's from too much training, too much volume, whatever it may be. And they're, they are the injuries that I'm paying for now, but really, I incurred these injuries on myself in my early and late 20s whenever I was doing way too much volume at whatever it is I was trying to do, oftentimes too soon. I didn't take enough time to build up. I wasn't patient enough with myself. So I think it's right to take that swing into a direction where you're going to start hammering your legs and lungs. But you have to keep in mind that your body needs some time, even in your youth, to build up to be able to really handle that, not now, but 10 years from now. Yeah, it's funny because... Anytime that I I had, you know, over the years, I've had a few injuries. And a lot of the time, like, so when I started training, I didn't really get to a point where I understood the right way to do things for, like, maybe two or three years after I started consistently, you know, going to the gym and, and that sort of thing. And i started out deadlifting i i never really went heavy on any type of squatting but i was i was deadlifting heavy and and then me and my friend decided you know let's let's stop the deadlift for a little bit and let's on our on our leg day let's incorporate squats uh-huh so maybe over a 
two and a half month period, we went from and, and we were both deadlifting, you know, five hundred pounds, you know, five fifteen or something like that. And then he said, "All right, let's incorporate squats." So we went from you know you start out one plate on each side, and then you slowly build up. And we were at four and a half, almost five plates within like a, maybe not exactly three months, but something in that time frame. And literally, both of us uh, started to get sharp pains in our knees. And then maybe a couple of months after that, uh, when I, I was sparring, we were doing some jujitsu practice, and I hurt my knee and I ended up tearing my meniscus. Ugh. So it was a combination of too much volume and then overusing, uh, you know, doing doing different things. So because I, I weakened my knee from the heavy squatting too quickly, mm-hmm. uh, that that uh, movement while I was grappling just destroyed my knee, you know, so. Yeah, you're probably still paying the price for that now, huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, do, yeah, yeah. Do you, have to, do you have to do a straight leg brace and all that? Did you get your meniscus repaired? No, so it, it was a it was a slight tear. Uh-huh. So here's what happened. I, I had a slight tear in my right meniscus, right? Okay. So medial uh, uh, or, or lateral? Do they tell you, or do you know? Oh no, I, actually, I, I didn't go that far. But okay. Um. So I, I took a break. I was I was doing a lot of training. Um. Every weekend, I was running group training sessions outdoors uh, up here in, in Manhattan. And so I took a break from any kind of running. We were doing a lot of intense running, sprints, jump ropes, and, and long-distance stuff. And um, so I took a break. And then after I, I felt like my knee was uh, semi-okay, I, I went back into it. And now, because my right knee hurts, I'm leaning more on my left knee. And... Eventually, mm-hmm. I had this I had the same issue happen in my left knee because I was trying to compensate for you know what I mean not putting enough not not putting as much weight on my right side. So, what ended up happening was now I have an injury in both of my knees, and then a short while later I hurt my my right shoulder. So I literally couldn't do anything for about a year, and you know for about the past 5 months I've I've finally been able to get back into it and and that's where I'm at now so um you know o- overuse and volume will really mess you up long term if you're not smart about how you're training yeah so oh, if yeah, you if you're 21 22 years old and you're listening to this right now take both his words and our words <laughs> into consideration and don't do stupid shit you know, the the big idea here is that if you're going to be a competitive powerlifter you're going to have to lift heavy and push heavy volumes. If you're trying to be a special operations soldier, all right, you just need to get to a level three or level four strength standard and then stay there and then work on the other attributes that you need. So you only, there's a great article we wrote, it's called How Strong is Strong Enough. And that will outline how strong you need to be based on your sport or profession. You can read in there and look at it and recognize it like, oh, okay, if I'm a lacrosse player, I only need to squat or deadlift this many pounds in, re- in relation to my body weight. So once you have like an idea of how strong you need to be, then just maintain it, all right, and work on the specific skills of your sport or profession, all right. If you're a special operations soldier and you can already meet the level four strength standards, then drop down to a training volume just to maintain what you need to do your job well and then work on other things, shooting, tactics, medical, hand-to-hand, components like that. 
And that's, that's kind of like the mindset that's really behind, you know, Atomic is that, hey, let's do an assessment. Let's do an honest assessment on where I am in relation to my performance. And then let's write a training program to build me up in those things. So, yeah, I mean, as a, as a, as a young male, it's awesome to be able to squat tons of weight and be so jacked that everyone's like, whoa, that guy's fucking scary. But the bottom line is if you're that guy where you're built more like a power lifter than um, a soldier – then you're a liability to your team. So you have to keep in mind that like fitness is not this standard term. Fitness is specific to the profession as well as to your sport, all right? So the requirements of a football player are different than the requirements of a cross-country runner, which are different than the requirements of a special operations soldier. So you need to train for your mission, job, and sport, not train to the expectations of everyone around you. So you guys have your physical location, your gym, Mm-hmm. Uh, down in Texas. Yep. And you also have an online based training platform. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so uh it's atomic-athlete.com. Um we uh host all the articles that Jake has mentioned. Um so if you were to go to atomic-athlete.com right now, uh go to our click on our blog and look at how strong is strong enough or the performance pyramid you'll see exactly the the content that Jake is talking about and i think that those are two articles two good articles uh to start with to sort of uh get an idea of our different approach uh to training um and for fitness in general and uh the way the way that we run the site is basically this um we have uh, an online membership, which starts at a buck. So, I mean, if you just want 30 days of training for $1, you can go to atomic-athlete.com backslash sign up and, uh, and you know, get, get access to all of our programs. There's over 43 training programs on there right now. You can pick any of them um, and work through it, that program for a month and you you will see the power of programming if you work exactly as prescribed through the program uh obviously we can give you uh you know we can give you the ingredients to to make a cake but you have to do the work you have to bake it um if if you want to get something out of it so uh anyway all that programming is there the online membership is after the first month which is a buck it's 29.99 for a recurring membership uh, and, uh, and essentially if you were to go into our back end and, and log in, then displayed before you would be all these different cycles that we have. Um, one of the things that we pride ourselves in is, is knowing our online athletes, um, as well as we do our, our in gym athletes. And so pretty much every athlete that wants it can email Jake Todd or I, um, through the contact form or just Jordan at atomic athlete.com or Jake at the same thing or Todd at the same thing. Um, ask us what, you know, like give us a short rundown of, of what, uh, what you want to accomplish and we will shoot you a, a series of programs to do. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing is, John, is, is that, you know, we've been to some other training facilities and some other prominent online coaches. Yeah, this is important. And, and the thing is, you know, the guys may be knowledgeable and they may have, you know, great online presence and books and podcasts. But the thing is, they just don't have the 
the athlete pool that we do. So like whenever we do a program in the gym, like we're testing it on over 200 athletes, you know? And so we get a pretty good amount of data. And the bottom line is the program doesn't work. We don't post it, you know? So it's not a theoretical program. It's a program that's actually been tested on real people in a real facility and in large numbers. It's not 10 or 15 guys doing it. I mean, we're talking... You know, depending on what program and how many people are doing that specific program, you know, 150 to 200 different individuals are doing that program and we're measuring progress the entire time. So whenever we put a program up there, it's, it's already proven. Like the results are there. So uh, I, I think that's a big differentiator that Jake brings up. The, the fact that we have so many athletes coming through our physical facility, it really sets us apart from other online training uh, platforms. Uh, and of course, our platform is is really accessible as well. It's very user friendly. You go on there, the session is there. Um, we have uh, coaches uh, a video most on most sessions, not on all of them, but on most sessions, we have a, um, a video with a coach going over exactly what you can look forward to in the session. Coaches notes on any uh, important coaching points that we think are important enough to write out, and then also all of the pertinent exercises are going to be um, at the bottom of the training. Um, the, the actual training session itself as well. So it's really easy for uh, people to to log in, pick a program. We make it easy because we're going to tell you what you need to do based on your fitness goals um, and then run through programming on their own. Yeah, and I'm glad you guys brought that up uh, and the difference between you know just getting a program where a few people have done it versus how you guys are approaching it with – you know, you have 150, 200 different athletes uh, running through these programs and you're recording the data. I think that's important. And for people who are out there and are looking for a program, uh, having a company who has that approach to their their programming is very important. Um, and then, you know, like you guys were saying, some people will have like a decent knowledge base and a big online presence you know, on different platforms and that, that's cool, you know, but at the same time you want to be smart about how you choose, uh, you know, who you're going to take your advice from. So you, yeah. you guys also have had some success with training up guys for selection and having them actually pass, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. We had, uh, quite a few guys that were basically just decided to quit their jobs and like, Hey, you know, they, something they really wanted to do and they just went and did it and they, uh, they kicked ass, man. And so, um, it was one of those things. It was really awesome seeing these guys go and not only meet this, meet the standards, but greatly exceed the standards. And, uh, so we, I think we, we've had five or six guys, I believe go through SFAS, all of which are selected. Some have already are post dive, post free fall and actually on teams now, and some of them are still actually in the pipeline, you know, and it was really awesome getting, getting their feedback from the training that we had in the gym. You know, they all sent us their roster numbers, which is something you get when you go through selection. It's a little piece of like a nylon that has your number on it. And that's how, you know, I guess each candidate is identified. So it's really satisfying seeing that, you know, like I said, it's not in theory that the, the programming works. It's like each of them like wrote us a handwritten letter and talked about like how much the programming um, not only in the gym, but online, helped assist them, you know, physically and mentally in the selection process. And now a few of the guys already have the Green Berets and the rest of them, you know, shy of anything crazy happened, will be getting theirs very soon. You know, the, the, the thing is, like one common theme in these letters that we've gotten from these guys, all of them have mentioned the mental fitness component. You know, no, 
it, it is it is present in every single one of these. That's not by accident, you know. Um, we we train mental fitness. It's it's uh, hugely important. It's probably the most transferable thing that we do uh, from the gym to the outdoors, which is where performance really matters anyway. Yeah, absolutely. We, we don't want to make it a better exerciser. You know, a, a green beret doesn't need to be a great exerciser. <laughs> they need to be a great warrior. Right, and you know, it's when I was doing my fitness thing. Sometimes, you know, like so. What what I was doing was, I'm I'm a, one of the founding members of a company called Bar Stars. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it. It's like a, it's kind of like social social lifestyle slash. Uh, they're, they're attempting to make it into a sport. It's kind of a global thing. That um, I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen videos on YouTube of guys doing like human flags and muscle ups and all that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so Bar Stars is pretty much. Um, Are you say, did you say Bar Stars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know, we're familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would get people who are interested in just getting fit, more fit overall, or people who wanted to get into kind of the competition shape. Uh, you know, to where they're competing globally against different people you know, from different countries um, in this calisthenics uh, world. So one of the most basic things, obviously depending on their level, is just to build up, you know, that basic fitness level. And um, so do you guys have any resources, um, you know, uh, social media on the website that can kind of guide people to, to that basic fitness level, raising that level before they get into a more intense program? You know, John, there, there's like most of the stuff we put out is, is free. The, the concepts, the ideas, um, videos, exercise library, a lot of that stuff is free and, and available to anyone. All right. You can get on our Instagram, get on our Facebook, um, go to the site, read the blog posts, and there is so much information on there for free. Um, and, and nothing else, get on there and check it out and see, like, you can get a pretty good idea of the way we think and how we program and how we approach not only physical, but mental training. And, and then from there, if you feel the need and you're ready to move forward, then the programming is on there as well. You know, so basically you can get a ton of information just from cruising those three different channels, the site, Instagram, social media. You can see videos of our coaches talking about pace, talking about fitness, how it changes over periods of time how it applies to specific sports, strength standards, all that is all open for any guys who, whether they're members or not. I mean, that's out there on the web for free. What What, what are the names of your uh, social media handles? Uh, you can just search, search uh, Atomic Athlete on Facebook. We'll pop up. We're the only ones on there. Um, at Atomic Athlete is going to be on there for Instagram. And then we get the website, which is atomic-athlete.com. And I'm pretty sure we have a Twitter account too, but I'm really not sure how Twitter even works. But <laughs> I, think, I think it's just – I think it's attached to our Facebook. So whatever goes on Facebook goes on Twitter. I imagine it's you know Twitter, Atomic Athlete, whatever it may be. But uh, uh, yeah, Instagram right now, now that they've changed it over to 60 seconds, I mean you guys can get a lot of good free content on Instagram because now we're able to actually teach concepts in that, you know, 60 minute second. So if you're short on time, you want to get a little tidbit of information. Um, we're putting out new concepts and ideas and, uh, exercises and even training sessions now on that platform. Cause now you're able to put those longer videos on there. You know, the, the other thing is like in terms of standards, it, it's, it's really 
pretty athlete specific. So uh, we do have strength standards. If you go to the blog at atomic-athlete.com and then uh, look at our how, how strong is strong enough, it's going to give you strength standards for whatever kind of athlete you are. Um, but in terms of the work capacity, uh, aerobic capacity, strength endurance, all those different types of standards, that is getting into the weeds of different fitness demands um, for different sports. So we don't have those uh, systemized, but we we have them in, uh, or at least on the site, I should say. Uh, we don't have those published on the site, but we have them. Uh, so if you know an athlete is interested in like, hey, I want to do X, what, where do I need to be with these things? We can provide them with kind of waypoints to walk them through like where should you be now? Where should you be in six months? Where should you be in a year? That's easy enough for us to generate. All right. So, guys, um, it was great having you on, man. I appreciate you guys sharing the, your knowledge on fitness and your approach. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, people are going to like this because I do get a lot of uh, emails and stuff like that regarding fitness specifically for military athletes and um and even and like i said you know younger guys and then also guys who are already in the military or law enforcement who are interested in in maintaining their fitness levels and not getting hurt um yeah so you know i just want to thank you guys for coming on i know the audience is really going to appreciate it uh hopefully we can get you guys back on um and, and what I'll do is after each episode on my website, I have the post for the the episode, which we call the podcast notes. And I'll just drop the links for your websites and social media handles on there for anyone who's interested in uh, learning more about you guys. Yeah. You know what, John? We're, what we're going to do is um, we're going to create a page uh, just for your listeners. Um, and and we, I'll, I'll say it now, but we'll also uh, you know post it um, with you. It's going to be just atomic-athlete.com backslash global recon. Um, so your athletes can click straight through. Um, we'll offer them a, 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 you know, just a smoking deal and also access to a bunch of free content as well. Oh, that's awesome, man. Thanks. Yeah, cool, no John. Great talking to you, man. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you. That was an interesting conversation with Chuck, Jake, and Jordan from Atomic Athlete. Uh, obviously, they're squared away and they really know their stuff. So, you know, I would recommend uh, Atomic Athletes to anybody, especially for those military athletes who are looking into getting into an elite unit uh, within the U.S. military. Um, so be on the lookout and look forward to hearing more from Atomic Athlete uh, regarding fitness. And also, I'd just like to remind you guys once again, uh, the... Ringblade seminar that Tulam is going to come to New York City and host will be August 6th and August 7th. Each day there will be two three-hour sessions teaching you a variety of techniques and um, just general information that you need to know if you are interested in knife fighting and self-defense and things like that. The links so you can purchase... Your slots in the class will be on my website at globalrecon.net slash podcast. Click on the uh, episode link and then go scroll down a little bit and you'll see the links there. Uh, so my website is globalrecon.net. My Facebook is FB Recon. I have two Instagram handles. The first one is IG Recon. The second is Global Recon underscore Inc. My Twitter account is IG Recon and I'm also on LinkedIn 
just search Global Recon. So we'll see you guys in a few days with another episode. Peace.